So, suitcase full of meat. Suitcase full of meat. I trust that our listeners have done their due diligence in studiously avoiding all mention or sign of this news story. In fact, they probably, knowing them, kept all related Google searches down. Like yes. if they thought they were like, oh, I wonder if, you know, hot dogs are on sale. Oh, better Can't not look. Google that. Can't yeah. look. Can't look. Mm-hmm. They may have just stayed off the internet for yeah. an entire Some seven Some stores days. like selling hot dogs by yeah. the suitcase, yeah. they would not have bought any of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is there the opposite of a Google alert? Can you tell Google... <laughs> Don't even show websites that talk about suitcases full of I meat. bet they just all turned off their computers. Yeah. And didn't even go on. Went outside. Uh, went out, yeah. Waited. Enjoyed waited. nature for a week. For you. Well, your week-long nightmare of enjoying nature is over. It's time to talk about a suitcase mm-hmm. full of meat. So this story, which I've since read, mm-hmm. is hilarious in the small scale of it. Okay. So a man, 62-year-old man in Ohio. Okay. Went into a Walmart, filled a shopping cart with meat, like, you know, sliced things and ground beef, and they were all in, like, the butcher shop packages. There's actually a photo here mm-hmm. on the website. This is Fox 8 from Ohio. Put it in the shopping cart, mm-hmm. rolled it outside without paying, got as far as he could before the shopping cart locked up, which that's the most exciting part of the story for me. I didn't know shopping carts had, like, geofenced security measures. That's really compelling. Is me. that real or we're just joking? No, that's what it says in here. That like they got far enough from the Walmart that it's wheel locked. Really? That's apparently a thing. Wow, we live in the future in that kind of a well, scary way. People in Ohio live in the future. I don't know if we have those here in Utah. That's true. That's true. We'll have to <laughs> yeah. ask, you know, Peter's from Ohio. We'll have to ask. Ask him. Say, yeah. hey, do you have those fancy yeah. shopping carts? Yeah. Did you you come from the future? <laughs> So when the wheel locked up, he mm-hmm. put all of the meat into a suitcase, uh-huh. and he carried that as far as he could go, which was apparently was the bus stop across the street, which is where police picked him up. So he didn't get very far, thanks to the diligence of a shopping cart. Okay. Uh, and apparently he just does this all the time and sells it to restaurants. And uh, which this, restaurants are buying this? It says specifically that he did not name the restaurants. But you know that some dogged cop was like, he's just the middleman. We've got to go to the top, find out who's buying this stuff. Who buys, like, I got my suitcase meat here. What do you want? Which like, restaurants are buying secondhand meat yeah. out of a suitcase? Like, that's what I want to know. <laughs> this guy's mostly harmless, right? Yeah. It's the people serving that meat that I'm mm-hmm. scared about because we know now his meat is safe. But, I mean, them? They don't know how long yeah. it's been in his suitcase. Yeah. I'm I'm worried about them. Yeah. So be careful if you live in, what was this town called in Ohio? It's, it's called South Euclid, Ohio in Garfield Heights. If you live anywhere, say half an hour drive from Garfield Heights, maybe don't eat the meat for a while. <laughs> also, apparently this man has been arrested. This was the 70th time he was arrested. Yeah, he doesn't probably go to Food Heist Prison. No. No, he's just... This he, is just shoplifting he's, prison. Yeah, he's he's too too small scale. Maybe, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get in the doors, but whoever's buying this meat needs to go to real prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actual prison. Actual prison. Yeah. So there you go. That's the suitcase full of meat. But I want you to imagine, because it was such a small scale and such an unexciting story, 
but imagine it with like really dramatic music and Dutch angles and snap zooms. Yeah. And then he is foiled by like an artificially intelligent shopping cart. And then- Which he was. The shopping cart goes on to join the police force. Oh yeah. Because he got this guy arrested 70 times. Yep. He's got a great record already. We got some grizzled veteran who's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to solve this case on my own. They're like, we got you a new partner. <laughs> it's a shopping cart. cart. I work alone. <laughs> Every case you do has to be within 50 feet of a Walmart. <laughs> I was so excited reading the article because it's like, as soon as the cart got too far away, the, you know, the wheel locked up as part of a safety measure. And I'm like, how far was that? He got caught across the street. So, yeah. So what are we going to talk about today, Dan? Well, one thing we're not going to talk about in any detail is Andor. Yes. But I think it would be interesting to talk about the response to the fact that I didn't really like Andor. Mm. Because we got a lot of comments on the various sites where these things are posted. Yes. People insisting that they'll never read the books I write because clearly I have bad taste, which Mm. I'm not going to argue with that. Don't read my books. Read the books he writes for me. (laughs) Go listen to Dark One Forgotten, which Mm -hmm. we wrote together and is wonderful. There are a lot of comments saying, I think the only reason he didn't like it is because he doesn't have someone to talk to about it, which is a roundabout way of saying, I bet I could convince him to like it if he sat down with me for half an hour. And a lot of people just in general kind of demanding an explanation. Mm. Partly because you hadn't seen it yet and still haven't, Mm -hmm. but also because I don't want to convince anybody, right? Like, that's not my goal here. If you liked something that I disliked, which is very likely, (laughs) that doesn't mean either of us is wrong. I don't think that there's an empirical, yeah, yes, this is awesome and everyone has to love it or everyone has to hate it. I do want to say, though, yeah. it's legit of them to say, hey, will you explain yourself? Because that's kind of what our podcast is about. That is true. Explaining yes. our terrible taste. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we just talked at length last week about all the bad movies we like and why we like them. Uh-huh. But one thing that I think is important to remember about this is your enjoyment of something is unrelated to its quality yes. in many, many cases. Mm-hmm. Right? Like our very I, first episode, I yes. believe, or at least one of our very first talked about this concept, which we are now revisiting mm-hmm. two years later. Ooh, has, has it, it been? We've been doing this for two years? It was like May, so it's that like a year, and a, a year half. and a half. Yeah. Man, how many things have you signed over I the course know. of us doing I this know. show? Man, I bet there's a lot of people who watched the show who don't even know that we started the show because I need to sign <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks of pages. And I needed somebody to keep me company while I was doing it. And so mm-hmm. I recruited you. And Dan, come be wrong about stuff for a, <laughs> for two hours every other week. Mm-hmm. They come and they watch it. They're like, what is Brandon? Well, he's always signing. What? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he just pay attention to the podcast he's recording? I'm like, well, you got that <laughs> a little reversed. But podcast exists. I, so I, I, I choose it. to believe that it's like a power thing. Mm. Dan, come talk to me. But I'm not going to pay really close attention to you. <laughs> I'm going to be doing this other thing. I mean, your taste is so bad that I would just get angry (laughs) at you, right? (laughs) Now, your taste is actually pretty good. But like most people, like, I don't think people would be as angry with you on this if the Venn diagram weren't so closely overlapping, meaning Mm. we -hmm. all have things that we enjoy. I bet a lot of our listeners listening last week 
agree with our taste on some of these movies, right? The bad movies. They're an enjoyable experience. I mean, it's not a controversial opinion to say Troll 2 is an enjoyable experience to watch because so bad. It is widely regarded as the best bad movie ever. Yeah. And, you know, we do like a lot of the things that our listeners like, but we're never going to like everything. Yeah. And so when that standout, when it comes out that you don't like Ratatouille, when we like so many other things and agree on them, mm -hmm. that standout becomes a really interesting discussion point. Yeah. And when we joke about the bad taste, we're talking about those things. And I don't think people would be as irate if they didn't listen to the podcast and be like, wow, I really relate to this dang guy. Yeah, he's saying lots of cool things about story. What? He hates one of the things that I really love? I love. How do I reconcile what this? What is wrong with this? I also think it's important to point out that a lot of people use the word like differently. Mm -hmm. Like I was very disappointed by the end of season one of Andor. But I actually enjoyed most of the episodes getting there. Okay. I got to the end and I thought, well, this is not what I wanted. This didn't do the way I wanted. It left a bad taste in my mouth, mm -hmm. despite the fact that most of the chewing process was delicious. Mm. And so the fact that I say, oh, I hated this thing. I hated the feeling I was left with mm -hmm. rather than any individual That's part of it. That's a yeah. deeper kind of explanation than you've given before. Well, and maybe other people don't think about art in this way. Yeah. I consume so much of it mm -hmm. because that's my job, right? Yep. Is I need to know what's going on and what people are watching and how innovative storytellers are telling their stories so that I can stay on top of the yeah. culture. And so if something sits poorly with me, Mm -hmm. I don't have to say that I like it. I, I don't feel like I have to be very granular mm -hmm. about, you know, well, I liked this much of it or I liked this part of it. And were we, you know, the guy who's like, if he sat down with me, I bet he'd love it. What would actually happen is that we would sit down together and realize that we probably agree mm -hmm. on almost every point. This part of it was too slow. This part of it was really compelling. This character was great. This character was not. But I came out of it at the end not super loving the overall experience, and he did. Yeah, which is interesting to kind of, as storytellers, mm -hmm. to talk about, to analyze, to talk about expectations and what they do to your experiencing of art, right? Like, yeah. I'm sure we've both had numerous experiences where we did not expect much from a film, and then we got something pretty good, and we walked away saying, wow. That was great. Yeah. And other times where we had high expectations and walked away unfulfilled for those expectations, and that sours our appreciation of something that was actually probably better than the first piece that we saw. Probably. Like, I don't really like Rogue One. Mm -hmm. I had a bad experience at Rogue One. I went to Rogue One wanting to enjoy myself because, you know, I wanted a pulp science fiction story, and I then was rewarded with, you know, callous murder in the first five minutes, and it turned me off to the film. Yeah. Just right then, I'm like, this isn't what I want from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't want deep, complicated storytelling. I do. But for me, Star Wars can't be that, because if it is that, it ruins the rest of Star Wars. <laughs> if I have to worry when I'm watching Luke do the run in A New Hope about the janitors on the Death Star, I can't enjoy Star Wars, mm -hmm. right? And so if you want to make a show about, hey, 
rebels aren't that great, you know, that's actually admirable. <laughs> but it's going to ruin my experience of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to watch it. And that's kind of why I haven't picked up Andor. I assume people are right. A lot of people I trust say they think I would enjoy it. But why? Right? And it's hard for me to even reconcile that because I do want media to grow and transform and become Mm -hmm. new things, right? I do sometimes like when people take something that was old and campy and reboot it as something that's a little more serious and takes itself seriously. I mean, the MCU is that, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the comics are kind of goofy. Silver Age in particular, I'm (laughs) fond of them, but they're kind of goofy. We've talked, um, not on the podcast, but on my stream before, I believe, about the story where Superman shoots tiny versions of Superman from his hands. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Here's a tangent. Uh, You haven't heard of that? No. It's the best Superman story. It's a Silver Age story where Superman loses his powers, but gains the ability to shoot a tiny Superman from his hand who has all his powers. Really? And he gets jealous of the tiny Superman. Who can now like, solve? Does the tiny Superman go out and then redock like yes. a, a comes, fighter comes back? Yeah. Okay. So he, that's amazing. He gets the power to shoot a tiny Superman who goes out, and tiny Superman like can stop a meteor. He can stop a bad guy. He does all these things, and real Superman is like so jealous. And then the story is that tiny Superman sacrifices his life to save real Superman, and real Superman realizes how he shouldn't have been jealous of tiny Superman for saving him, and then he gets uh-huh. his powers back and, you know, Silver Age. Wacky things yeah. happen, put it on the cover. What is the wackiest thing we can put on the cover? Okay, reconcile it by the end so we can have another wacky thing next time. <laughs> and I totally, I love the yeah. MCU. Like, I will defend every part of it up through Endgame just like as an experience and it is taking all those things more Mm -hmm. seriously but at the same time i'm not willing to give star wars that advantage with andor that does feel a little duplicitous of me or not but i just don't want to like well and that i think is a key part of this discussion and i want to make sure how to phrase this correctly because this is not an episode in which we justify to you our dislike of star wars media Mm -hmm. this is a discussion of liking things yeah and you and i have a big platform mm-hmm. and you know tens of thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of people watch us and listen to our opinions and that makes it look like we have authority like our mm-hmm. opinions carry more weight than maybe somebody who doesn't have a big show and i don't believe that that is true i don't think that you are obligated to give a certain piece of media a fair shake if you just don't like it because mm-hmm. some people just don't like stuff. Yeah. And media we, is not people. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like we genuinely need to try for in most cases assume the best of people. Of people. But we don't have to do that with media. Mhm. You don't have to. We repeat it time and time again. I mean, you joke don't read my books. But I often say, look, it's okay if my books don't work for you. Yeah. It really is. I'm glad they work for the people that they do work for. Mm-hmm. But I mean, It's media. Well, and I think that maybe creators, professional Mm -hmm. artists have a different take on this Mm. because we deal with this all the time. Yeah. Because we have already had to come to terms with the fact that not everybody is going to like our stuff. Yeah. And so we are more willing to not like other people's stuff. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I became a published author that I started not finishing books. Yeah. And I got to this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And realized, oh, I'm not enjoying this. That doesn't make it bad. It just means that it's not for me. I'm going to read something that is. 
Yeah, that's the thing that we kind of hit before that we're revisiting a year and a half later is this idea of the difference between something being bad. If you guys remember way back when we talked about steaks <laughs> and food, we referenced it Wait, a lot. Wait, a of suitcase food. full of steaks? No, just just well done steaks. Mm. And the vitriol, that phrase inspires in certain people. And the idea that like, it's it's weird. There's two topics I kind of want to touch on here. One is the one we've covered before. There's a difference between disliking something and that thing being bad. Yeah. A person can execute something very well, achieve their goals, and it worked for a lot of people. And rational human beings who have good taste just not like it. That's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. That's not offensive. That's just life. We'll joke about it all the time. It's okay that you don't like ratatouille. That's just life. And it's interesting, right, that you have this dislike of something that is mostly universally beloved because it's like that Venn diagram. Yeah, we're going to agree on most of these. Those those little points are kind of where, where Dan's yeah. personality or his personal experience with the movie comes out or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that mindset of, well, you have to like this thing because it is empirically good. Sure, it's empirically good. Mm-hmm. Andor is well-made. It is well-acted. It is well-written. That's one of the things I want to ask you. Do you think it is empirically good? Like, on the metrics we normally use for what makes a, you know... Yeah. Yes. One thing that I always say is when it comes to art, success and quality are a lot closer together than a lot of people would like to admit, right? And Twilight is the example we always trot out for this. Yeah, but um, I mean, Andor's a really good example But Andor's because- another good one, yeah. People are loving Andor and not loving Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Both are minor side characters in the Star Wars universe. And one, people are really latching onto. So it's not just the Star Wars effect. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to say if some other piece of media had gotten the attention that something that didn't get as popular did, that it, you'd yeah, be like, yeah, well, it yeah. would have. But in this case, you can just point at two pieces of media. Mm-hmm. In they this, got yeah. similar promotion. They got yeah. similar budgets. They got similar everything. One of them, excuse me, is widely and generally beloved. Mm-hmm. People really, really respond to Andor. It got a lot of mainstream attention, yep. even outside of nerd circles. And then you compare that to Boba Fett. And yeah, there there are people who love it. I've got a friend who says it's his favorite of the Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. But in general, it was not successful. I think it was the least successful or least beloved mm-hmm. of the shows. And... One thing that I will always say is that popularity and success are very, very connected when it comes to art. And we don't like to think of that because we like to think that, you know, book A, movie A, whatever it is, is just better. It is better written. It has deeper themes. It is more emotional. Whatever it is that you respond to, this has more of it and it's better. Whereas this other thing that's far more popular doesn't have those things. Well, the fact that it is popular means that it did have something that somebody other than you loved. And a lot of people responded to it and a lot of people loved it. And ultimately, one of the purposes of art is to make people happy. If you find art that you love, that is good art, even if it is less accomplished. Yes, I that's guess. a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different qualities. I think that there's a lot of purposes that art has. 
Sometimes art is there to challenge us. Sometimes art is there to shine a light on society. Sometimes art has these more kind of highfalutin goals. But one of the purposes of art is just to evoke a response in people. And if five million people read Twilight and love it, it is good art and it is successful art, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Another topic kind of sideways of this that I want to get your take on. I'm curious. I feel like in our modern era, it is dangerous to like things. Dangerous is the wrong term, but you're you're putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. when you like something. And what makes me think this? I remember a time back before I was published in things where I was afraid of liking something too much lest I be proven a fool by those who pointed out its flaws, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember conversations with you guys, our friends, where I would be cagey on liking something too much. And I think this happens a lot on the internet. You lose your authority as as an expert if you like something too much. And I've talked about my pet peeve, which is the it's not a perfect movie, but this movie is awesome and I'm gonna tell you, but I have to put this phrase in just in case someone raises a legitimate concern so that I don't look like I didn't notice that it had this, right? Um, Which I'm as guilty of as anyone else. Mm -hmm. But that phrase has become a pet peeve because that phrase is like this little, it's that worm tongue in your ear saying, oh, but you can't, you can't absolutely like this because if you do, then you expose yourself to being taken down when other people take it down as well. Yeah, that is... You know, the experience I've had recently with She-Hulk, because I said that I really liked She-Hulk. She-Hulk is a mess. Parts of it are poorly written. The series as a whole is poorly paced, but I enjoyed the process of watching it. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to say, you know, I loved She-Hulk and then have people say, oh, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about these glaring errors? And uh, I've heard some really compelling critiques of She-Hulk that make me rethink, oh, was I wrong to like that ending? I thought that ending was so audacious and cool and innovative, true to the comics, all these other good things. And then somebody said, okay, but what about this? What about this underlying message that it is saying? And I thought, oh, you're right. That, that is a really bad thing. And then I have to remind myself, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong for having enjoyed it. Right. I do think that there is also this sort of like versus appreciate terminology we can use like i appreciate a hundred years of solitude quite a bit yeah i do not enjoy reading a hundred years of solitude <laughs> you know but gabriel garcia marquez just for whatever reason i appreciate and i will read but i just don't enjoy it i don't look forward to reading yeah yet like if you say to me do you like gabriel garcia marquez half the time i'll say yes because the reading experience is interesting, evocative, mm-hmm. cool. There's so many things I appreciate about it, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes we can just like something but not appreciate it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. No, I think that that's a really good way of looking at it. Now mm. I'm trying to think of something that I liked without appreciating. Mm. And, you know, this is a terrible example, but the, the one that comes to my mind is food. Uh-huh. Because I have so many children— When we need to feed them pizza, we usually go to Little Caesars because it's really cheap, right? 
It's a great example. And I do, when I get that first piece, I'm like, oh, yep, this has everything I like. This has cheese. This has pepperoni. It's really hot. This is pizza. It's the worst of the pizza chains, right? I don't appreciate it. There's almost any other pizza I would rather eat instead. But I do, in the moment, really enjoy eating that hot slice of pizza. What do you think about Avatar? Not The Last Airbender, James Cameron. James Cameron's Avatar. Kind of, it was a really interesting experience watching online Mm -hmm. with people just gleefully anticipating it failing and then kind of being irate, not irate, but kind of like, you know, it Mm -hmm. didn't. That was an interesting thing to watch and to kind of empathize with and understand, right? The majority of me is really happy Avatar is doing well. That is because it's everything we want to be doing well. You and I, uh, you know, the fan, mm-hmm. we want original IPs, fantastical worlds with great world building, being adopted by a mass audience and loving it. Yeah. That's just, that's what we want. We want that's good. as many of those as we can get. Yeah. But there's also something that makes you want to say, really? Right? <laughs> but I enjoyed the first one. Yeah. And it did all the things that I want a fantasy film to do in concept. It just doesn't have the depth of storytelling that I would want it to have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I went and bought the soundtrack. It's a really good soundtrack after I watched the first one. I haven't watched the second one yet. I'm waiting for it, waiting to, come, for it to come to your theater. Come to my theater. Yeah. But yeah, like what's your opinion on that? James Cameron is fascinating to me mm-hmm. specifically. And maybe this isn't what you're asking. Yeah. But like... Titanic came out and was the most successful movie of all time. It's been surpassed several times since, but it's still in the top 10. Mm -hmm. And then within a year or two, everyone hated it. Not everyone, obviously, but the culture had turned against it. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, oh, remember when everyone went and saw Titanic Mm -hmm. five times in the theater? And so then by the time Avatar came out, everyone remembered that bad taste Mm. in their mouths and they were like oh this is gonna suck and then it was again one of the most successful movies of all time and now however many years later we're getting it again we're getting the same thing which is so weird because like titanic is a legitimate excellent movie yeah it is titanic is a 10 out of 10 it is a fantastic film so is t2 yeah it is one of my like perfect movies it is an amazing film yeah and yet for some reason, it's like Avatar, we don't want... I don't know. It's so weird. Isn't it, it strange? Well, well what, what, what I think is going on, mm-hmm. and maybe this is getting very far afield from our, our discussion of, of liking things, yeah. but first of all, James Cameron never bet against James Cameron. He yes. is an excellent storyteller and filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Every movie I can think of with his name on it has been an absolute banger. Yeah. Do you like Battle Angel, even though he's just a producer? I haven't seen Battle okay. Angel. Because he's just a producer and not a director, I was like, well, this doesn't compel me to see it. Was it Rodriguez? Okay, now I feel stupid and I need Uh, to watch it. You keep talking. I'm going to make sure I could be. um, But like uh, Terminator 2 was amazing. Mm -hmm. Aliens was amazing. The Abyss was amazing. And at some point, and I think it was Robert Rodriguez. Was it Robert? Well, then I have to watch it. At some point, Cameron Mm -hmm. kind of made a switch towards experiential movies, Mm -hmm. by which I mean. You go and see Avatar, and the story is incredibly lightweight and mm-hmm. kind of superficial, right? But the experience of watching it is incredible. You get drawn into his worlds 
in a way that very few filmmakers can. And that means that the experience of sitting there in the theater and watching this unfold and being surrounded and immersed in it is compelling and exciting and awesome, and people love that. But there's so little under the surface that they don't linger. There's no cultural footprint to Avatar the way there is to many other things. It hasn't left the stamp on our brains in the way that a lot of these other properties we're talking about have. Do you think it's because it didn't hit us during our formative years? Because the story of Star Wars is really lightweight also. Oh, absolutely. Right? 100%. Yeah. But the difference, and maybe this is mm-hmm. just exposing a hole in, in the terminology I'm using, Avatar didn't hit anybody that way. There's not a generation that grew up thinking of Avatar the way we think of Star Wars. Are you sure? Where are Let they? Let us know in the comments. They might be They might be around. There were definitely rabid fans mm-hmm. at the time. I mean, there's an entire Disney World park. Yes. For Avatar. But it is poorly attended. Is it? Okay. <laughs> it I is. Didn't know. I actually watched the Jenny Nicholson video on I watched it. I didn't know uh, Avatar it was poorly attended, Land though. Recently. I thought that... Yeah. They keep trying to get people in. Maybe it's gone back up. Mm. I don't know. But it is possible that Avatar is more famous than I think it is, but I don't think so. I wonder, famous is the wrong word. Yeah. Beloved cultural icon. I wonder if... Now again, we're kind of far afield. I wonder if bonding to the world is different from bonding to the characters in that regard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people bond to Star Wars' world. They go, the 501st is a fantastic example yeah. of that. But it's like we have these characters that are a little archetypal that we can see through into the world. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing really groundbreaking about the Mandalorian's character, but I want to see what happens to him. Yeah. And I want to see what happens to Baby Yoda. And I am super invested in those two characters. And so I want to come back. And maybe for me, part of the reason that I'm okay waiting for on Avatar, maybe I, I want to go have the experience so I might go to the, the theater. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. But I'm not looking forward to finding out what happens to the characters. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having another experience that's like going on a theme park ride. Not to borrow a phrase from Scorsese, I believe it was, but you know. <laughs> Well, and I think you could say the same about Titanic. The characters, I know their names are Jack and Rose only because of the meme about her kicking him off the, the door I at the know. end. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I, I think that the characters, like I can tell you, they're two characters mm-hmm. right now, right? Okay. Rose is the young woman that's been raised in upper society who finds out she wants to escape from that and experience life more fully mm-hmm. rather than being contained by the prim decorations of society. Jack is the scoundrel-esque rogue who gets by by the seat of his pants. I've only seen Titanic like twice and it's been a long time. But, okay. But secretly has an artistic dream to be something bigger and better than mm-hmm. he is right now. Yeah. And he wants to chase those dreams and hunt them. And so they come together. Yeah. Those are characters. So you make a very good point. Mm-hmm. And I think you've convinced me on that. Natiri mm-hmm. and Human Dude, whose name might also be Jack, they are not as complex or as well-drawn. Yeah. We know that he has some kind of 
injury or maybe his brother he had has an to injury. take his brother's place yeah and that's the thing i remember most about him is that his brother was going to do something cool so he has to go do it instead mm-hmm. but yeah the characters are not as compelling and it is the world itself the world itself is very compelling world is yeah. fantastic i love the world building no big surprise if you've seen avatar and you know how <laughs> i world build i yeah. really like James Cameron's world building it, in it, that. It, it's series. like I was saying, it's yeah. an experience and it's immersive and, mm-hmm. and it's it's very compelling to be inside of that. But then once you leave, yeah, I mm-hmm. I have not felt for the past ten years a burning question of what happens to those people? What's next? Yeah. So that's interesting. But that is, is kind of beside the point of what we're talking about. So what is the the kind of, we got like five minutes left, the final oh. point of what we're talking what about. What is the final point of what we're talking about? Yeah. It's okay to like things. It's okay to like things. It's okay to dislike things. Yes. And, and it's okay to disagree with your friends or with people that you yeah. respect. The fact that somebody dislikes a thing that you love might mean mm-hmm. that you just have wildly different tastes. And if that means that you don't trust my books because I didn't like a thing that you loved, that is your decision to make. And that is absolutely fair. But there is never an author you're going to find that Who you could likes sit down everything and talk you with like. that is yeah. not going to pick out something that you love and be like, yeah, it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. One thing that I tell aspiring writers all the time when they start to feel this kind of burden of, will people actually like this? Does anyone want to read my stuff? Go on to Amazon or Goodreads or some kind of review website. Find your favorite book and read the one-star reviews of it. Because no matter how much you love it, there are people out there who despise it, who think it's terrible, who think it's whatever. And that's actually a really heartening thing for any artist to hear. Because, no, some people are going to hate your work. And sometimes they're going to do it for stupid, irrational reasons. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Some of the things I dislike, I dislike for irrational reasons. Yeah. And I'm fully willing to admit that. Like you get there in the wrong mindset and it's the wrong thing for you at the wrong time and you just have a bad experience. Mm -hmm. And you just, you know, it's like how my wife, I won't mention the chain, but we went to a restaurant once and she had some food. They gave her food poisoning, Mm. some soup that Mm -hmm. had, you know, something had happened. I bet it's happened for every restaurant that's yeah, open long enough. Absolutely. But she can no longer eat there. And with good reason. With good reason. The yeah. food is great. I love the place. She can no longer eat there. <laughs> so I can't go there with her. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm not going to be like, yeah, you have to go to the restaurant that makes you feel like you're sick again. We'll go to a different <laughs> restaurant. And that's okay. It's an irrational reason. Well, it's a rational reason, but it's the continued dislike is yeah. not rational, right? Yeah. Because we all know that that's happened to people at every restaurant we've eaten at. Mm-hmm. But well, and we know that going there again, you're not going to get food poisoning yep. again. Mm-hmm. You're not more likely to get food poisoning there than at some other place. Yeah. I will say this is that's a restaurant okay. that has a good reputation and that you don't <laughs> commonly find this happening to people. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So please, everyone out there, like the things that you like. That's awesome. Everyone who loves art, Yay. Rising tide lifts all ships. I want people to love art, but don't expect everyone to agree with you and don't think that people are wrong for disagreeing with you. But you can still talk to them about it as long as you're polite. Yes, absolutely. Well, and as long as you don't try to convince them. 
I think you can try to convince You can them. try. I mean, I didn't want to come on here, and you notice we very deliberately, mm-hmm. this was not an episode where Dan convinces you you're wrong and Andor mm-hmm. sucks. I don't think it sucks. I think that I don't like it. But yeah. Some of our best discussions are me trying to convince you why you should watch <laughs> That's Speed true. Racer. Why I should watch Speed Racer. Why yeah. Hades is way better than I gave it credit for, et cetera, et cetera. How's that, Ben? Ben. <laughs>